Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Art History Bay Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. And we are the Art History Babes. We have a Art History Bay Brief for you today that's kind of in tandem with a previous Art History Bay Brief that we did. A follow-up, if you will. Yeah, a follow-up. If this is your first time listening in, our Art History Bay Briefs are shorter episodes, little more structured They are not explicit, so you can play them in the classroom. And yeah, there's a little less tangential conversation in these Art History Bay briefs. Still some, though, because we are us. But yeah, we are us and we love to discourse. It's what we're here for. And I'm guessing it's what you're here for, if you're (laughs) Yeah, so we are going to be talking about... The Swing After Fragonard by Yinka Shonabari. It came after Fragonard's The Swing. And if you don't really know very much about that work, you can listen to the episode we did on it a few weeks ago. We'll have that linked below for you. But this episode will probably, you'll probably get the most out of it if you listen to that episode first. Yeah, I'm going to say that you should probably hit pause and just go back and listen to that one because you're going to miss a lot of context, if not, because we're not going to repeat ourselves. We love you, but (laughs) we're not going to do that. And this is definitely a work that is very steeped in the art history that it is referencing. So if you have a good understanding of The Swing by Fragonard, then you'll have a better understanding of the nuances and complexity of this work. So go listen to that one. It's a good one. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. But yeah, so if you've already done that, if you've done your homework, then uh, let's dive in to this guy. Yeah, take a seat. So Yinka Shanabari is a British Nigerian artist living and working in London. It's a little complex, but he was born in London, moved to Nigeria when he was three, so pretty little, and then returned to London for art school as a young adult. At 19 years old, he contracted a spinal infection that left him partially paralyzed. Through his art, Shonabari explores issues of race, class, decadence, and identity through the media of painting, sculpture, photography, film, and installation. Somewhat ironically, he was awarded the Member of Order of the British Empire in 2005. Shonabari saw the title as an opportunity, and he adopted it as a way to highlight still prevalent issues of colonial legacy. In 2001, Shonabari created The Swing after Fragonard, a sculptural installation of a headless life-size mannequin 
swinging through faux greenery in the exact composition of Fragonard's 1767 painting, The Swing. Like the figure in the iconic Rococo painting, the swinging body playfully kicks off her shoe as she reaches the highest point on her swing. The delicate slipper is even suspended mid-air by an invisible string. There's a sense of movement through the vines below and from which the figure hangs. Shadows cast on the gallery wall create even more depth when looking into the scene. In addition to the decapitation, other notable differences between this work and Fragonard's The Swing are the fabric of her dress and the removal of the other figures. The dress she wears is still made in the French Rococo style, but Shonabari has exchanged the pink fabric for brightly colored African batik fabric. Many of Shonabari's work utilize the particular style of fabric as a means of expressing and exploring identity. Interestingly, the African fabrics he uses for his sculpture were found in London. They were originally Indonesian batik patterns that were brought in by the Dutch to West Africa. In the 1960s, this material became a new sign of African identity and independence. Shanabari himself has stated that he sees this fabric as an expression of hybrid cultural identity and ultimately a representation of one humanity. Should we take a quick break? Let's do it. Before we, before we talk decapitation. <laughs> yeah, let's give the people a little time to process that. <gasps> All right, we'll be right back. All right, we're going to talk decapitation. The subject's headlessness is certainly an element that sets Shonabari's work from the original swing. This can be read in many ways, including as a shout out to the fate of the French aristocracy, a la the French Revolution. If you didn't know, a lot of people got their heads chopped off during the French Revolution. They're kind of famous for it. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a thing. It's their thing. Shonab yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a vibe, for sure. Shonabari responded to the headlessness of his figures by saying, It amused me to explore the possibility of bringing back the guillotine in the late 1990s for use on the historical icons of power and deference. Fun fact, Natalie, do you know when the last execution by guillotine was? No, I'm going to guess it wasn't that long ago, though. Dude, it wasn't. It was in France. Because like, like I said, it's kind of their thing. <laughs> it was in France in 1977. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that was the last like, time someone was legally executed. I was going to say, this was like a civic beheading. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Wow. I always, I don't know. I like imagine the French being so not doing that anymore. I don't even know what the word was going <laughs> right? to be. But not that. Wow. Nope. Back, to, back to art. <laughs> Shonabari's work is also distinctly different from Fragonard's because of the three-dimensionality. Since it's a sculptural installation, the viewer is able to walk around the work and experience it from multiple perspectives. With the removal of the crouched lover, the viewer can even position themselves at that vantage point and take an even more voyeuristic gaze. In other words, you can look up her skirt. And the nature of the medium brings the classic Rococo scene to life in a contemporary, somewhat interactive way. And Corey, I wanted to talk to you about if this brought up any memories of a Duchampian work. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Anytime That's I see a does. mannequin, man. Yeah, man. That, to my memory. that makes a lot of sense. Itadone. I didn't even... Yeah, yeah, we should I say it for people at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just make them guess. Yeah, just be <laughs> super cryptic and annoying. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, yes. Yes, the Duchampian mm, one. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. 
for sure. I didn't even really think of this work or his work in relation to like Dada and Duchampian aesthetics. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's Handone for sure. Yeah. A lot less voyeuristic though, I will say. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know because I haven't seen in person, but from what I've seen, her garments mean you can like hypothetically look up her skirt, but you're not seeing anything. There's not a vagina under there. (laughs) I mean, not a real one. And I don't even (laughs) think, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Now I'm curious if there's anything (laughs) under the skirt. Well, I mean, no, it's I think probably that's like the point. <laughs> yeah, it's probably like some like French like pantaloons or something. Oh my like, god, like the really frilly ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. If anyone's seen this work in person and knows, please let us know. So let's discuss a little bit about the relationship of these two works, and yeah, what difference two hundred and thirty four years can make in trying to explore really the same subject, but in a different way. Well, first of all, we kind of already touched on it, but the way that you interact with the work, being able to walk around it and feel like you're interacting with it versus the two dimensionality of a painting and the other figures that were included in that painting. Yeah, definitely. And I think also just in terms of overall aesthetic, this work, because it's three-dimensional, it's already got more of a, I don't know if realistic is the right word, but it exists in our dimension in a different way. So you're kind of facing the experience of this work in a different way. But the aesthetic of it overall is just a little more raw and gritty, you know, like even down to the leaves, like when you compare them to the Rococo painting, which is all about these soft pastels and brush strokes, this work is just edgier. Mm-hmm. The colors are edgier, the colors are darker. And then, of course, it's edgier because she doesn't have a head, you know, so it makes it almost feel kind of surreal in a way. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Especially in some of the photos, you can see like the really dramatic shadows of the greenery. And again, like I think that's what I mean by it inhabiting spaces. It really takes on a different feeling, like a darker feeling, but in a for sure cool way, yeah. in an interesting way, a darker feeling because the original is so sugary and light stylistically. Yeah. I get like a Tim Burton vibe. Yeah. Like a Tim Burton take on Fragonard's The Swing. And then on top of it, you have all these really fascinating layers about like cultural identity. But from a visual perspective, it feels very Tim Burton-y. Yep, I could say that. Did we mention that the headless figure is a common trope in his work? Yeah, yeah. So he does the headless mannequin thing. And then he also has a lot of works that replace the head with a globe. Ah, like he worked his way toward, because I feel like this is one of his earlier ones, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Because I'll say two very different things. (laughs) I I know, right? And I, I watched some interviews with him earlier today and a lot of what he feels he's doing with his work and what he's trying to do is really just exploration of identity. Mm -hmm. He talked about how he once had a teacher ask him, why aren't you making authentic African art? 
which has been a moment <laughs> in his life that has led him to want to explore the ideas of like, what is yeah. authentic African art? And also what is authentic identity? Like what constitutes that? And how should that affect his art? You know, which I think knowing that context makes perfect sense when you think about the different ways he's incorporating aspects of his cultural upbringing into his work and like aspects of his different identities into his work. And then, yeah, you kind of have this overarching idea of almost like globalization and like global, you know, like I said earlier, he in reference to the fabrics that he uses, mm -hmm. he was talking about the choice of that fabric and how to a certain extent he believes it kind of represents like one humanity while also representing his African cultural identity. So I feel like the globe as a head is kind of like another interesting way of exploring that idea. Yeah. Well, in global art is, I feel like something everyone wants to be talking about in the contemporary art space. And I mean, I don't know really what it looks like, but I like that he is really using his unique place as a British Nigerian, like genuinely connected to both of these cultures and didn't get dis discouraged by that annoying statement <laughs> that really bothered yeah, me. I know. Like, <laughs> I mean, the bottom line is whatever he's creating is authentic Nigerian art because he is yeah. Nigerian, but whatever. But I'm glad that he took that and fueled his art and is exploring identity because I love art that explores identity and we need to see more than the identities that we've been seeing over yeah. the last how many years of art history because it's been a pretty narrow yeah. scope. 100%. And I think just from a theoretical standpoint, like whatever your identity is, like whatever you identify as in any capacity, this idea of being an authentic version of that identity, yeah. you know, whether it's authentic African art or like authentic feminist art, you know, like whatever your cultural identity is, whatever you identify as. And then this like bigger idea that there has to be like an authentic way to do that. Yeah. So just this like bigger theoretical thing that he's trying to explore and achieve is just you know, there's not a right answer mm -hmm. to it. And I think it's just such a valuable practice. And you mentioned before, yeah, like that you don't really know what global art looks like. I don't think anyone does yet because there's so much history and yeah, history of European power mm -hmm. and the way we talk about art and talk about art history and the way art and art history are taught to yeah. people. And like, there's just so much to it that we're in this phase of trying to make, you know, it's, it's like we're in the, we're still in the dismantling phase. To, like we haven't even gotten to the creation yeah. phase because we're still dismantling the old stuff that got us here and created these power dynamics that we're trying to slowly break apart so that we can see what yeah. authentic everything and, looks like. And the only way we're going to get there is by artists, just making what feels right to them in response to these kind of questions, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I had a lot of fun just researching and looking into his work as mm -hmm. a whole. I had seen this work before because it is on the AP art history exam, but I wasn't like very familiar with his work and I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole and I just really enjoy his work from a visual standpoint. 
I mean, I like interactive or like installation yeah. type stuff a lot. And his work is so conceptually heavy, but it's really visually mm-hmm. fun and dynamic, you know, like it's very visually interesting and stunning and just fun to look and, at. And like we can't deny that as art historians, it's fun to have art historical references <laughs> that we can like identify oh, totally. so and then he's doing something completely different than anyone else has done with it or at least that i've seen yeah it's just all around a good time <laughs> it is a good time. like you said uh, for a very heavy theme <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah that is the swing after fregonar by yinka shonabari check it out and definitely check out his other yes, works too please for sure and we'll catch you next time Yeah, I think that's pretty much all we got for today. Make sure to check out our Patreon. We've got so much content on there for as low as $1 a month. And check out artandobject.com. Really cool website. All sorts of art and art history related resources and articles. That's artandobject.com. Check out our YouTube channel. I'm starting to do these like daily creativity chats to like try and spark creativity and like talk about creativity because I just like creativity and it's cool. So check, check that it out, out, guys. They're really check out fun. Spotify. She uh, is on them so I can talk them up a little bit more. But as a viewer, they're really informative and they're super quick. So you can kind of just sit down and take a break from something and get a little creativity spark. Yeah. Thanks, Nat. Also, check out our Spotify. We've been doing playlists that are like inspired by artists and artworks. And I did one for Fragonar's The Swing. So check out our Spotify. Also, if you happen to listen to us on SoundCloud regularly, we will be piecing out a SoundCloud. Just a heads up. You can find us at arthistorybase.com and literally all other podcast providers. So yeah, SoundCloud just isn't really making sense for us to stay on there anymore. So yeah, if that is where you normally find us, you're going to have to find us somewhere else. But thank you for listening. And yeah, hopefully that won't be too much of an inconvenience for anyone. Also, before we go, we have a really big announcement. And I'm not going to tell you what it is right now, but I am going to build the anticipation. So You should. So very soon, you guys, you're going to hear about a very big announcement from the Art History Babes. Get excited. Yep. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye bye. The Art History Babes. I'm also going to sit on my butt on the ground instead of (laughs) squatting like a predatory animal. Just how I have been sitting. <laughs> let's let's take a quick meditation break. Breathe in. Get Jesus. centered. You got this. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about me. I'll be I'll be good by next round. Go go round, Jesus. <laughs> At least you no one's gonna have to search for bloopers this time. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.